1: is there no end to your own hypocrisy You got is power you have no shame your only interest is political game you hide your eyes and refuse to listen you play
0: your game coming up next america can we talk with your host debbie georgettos i've got a And hello and welcome to America, Can We Talk? I'm Debbie George Today on our show, we're gonna talk about COVID's over, but tyranny marches on, the LGBTQ military emergency, I'm not even kidding, Biden bribery and the tell-all text, and Trump's newest home runs. And I'm gonna tell you why all these stories matter to you a whole lot. I'm gonna start with this COVID's over, but tyranny marches on. You know, we, for, I'm telling you, two years, we or more. We had many doctors on the show, brilliant doctors, people who actually practice medicine, don't just like do research and run federal agencies, but actually practice medicine on the show, talking about how great various treatments were. We've had many experts talking about the data rel- relating to uh, the impact of the vaccines, the damage that the vaccines is doing to uh, America. I mean, to individuals. All around the world, uh, we've had just so much information, factual stuff, out there that is for everyone who actually wants to understand facts and truth instead of what the hype you're told to believe is. And, and you know, this show isn't alone. The other serious commentators, serious pundits, serious thinkers, who want as their primary goal to have to retain healthcare freedom, to retain the respect for the primacy of the doctor-patient relationship the right of the individual to make decisions for himself and herself, and there are only two genders, related to their healthcare, this is primary to the idea of freedom in America. And so, you know, we're we're obviously past COVID. In fact, I think it was Dr. McCullough on the show. Many, we've had many doctors, I think it was Dr. McCullough or one of them who has said, I mean, well over a year ago, the COVID pandemic is over. It's been over for a while. Dr. Simone Gold has said that in the show, Peter McCullough getting around to saying, so we have this, not just that the scary pandemic is over, but also that this is a time when many Americans for the first time in a long time started to rethink, what do I think my right is as to my healthcare freedom? Do I really have the right to decide, even if the majority opinion spewing out of the CDC, NIH, and other places says, you know, you ought to just, uh, you know, curl up in your, under your blanket at home and stay in bed till further informed and don't leave your house until we tell you, you can. You know, people started to realize during COVID, there's something really wrong with the way our government handled the entire COVID episode. We paralleled, we mimicked what the Chinese did, which was a disastrous thing. We allowed the World Health Organization, controlled by the CCP and Bill Gates, to control much of what we, the American people thought was true about COVID. Fortunately for America and good doctors, educated people, freedom of speech, freedom of research, people who care to understand the truth about COVID have really awakened. They've awakened not just to the idea that there were efficacious treatments available, could have used them all along instead of waiting for the vaccine, but also that the you know, the there, Truman used to talk about the military-industrial complex and warned us about it. Well, there's a you know phar- big pharma, government agency. Complex. It really all the big pharmaceutical companies who have become just, or who have overtaken the federal agencies are supposed to regulate them. That massive complex that all benefits from the production of more vaccines, the imposition of more vaccines, the money made hand over fist by the pharmaceuticals, massive money made hand in hand with, not regulated by, hand in hand with, in fact, if anything, directing traffic at CDC, NIH, and FDA. So here we are, we're you know, finally feeling pretty good, you know we're almost to July, we're almost to July 4th, my favorite holiday of the year, um, but we're almost to July 4th, and most Americans are, are, are really awake to a lot of these things. But two things have happened that I wanna talk about in the first five that relate to the future of healthcare freedom. One is that we had within the mindset of some people who are not either not paying attention or worse, are paying attention and do want to end America's sovereignty. We've had a gradual concession that in America, we'd probably be pretty smart to let the World Health Organization, you know, kind of take the reins, more or less be in charge Biden administration, fully on board with this idea of going along changing. uh, they're, They're trying not to call it a treaty because then it would have to go through the U.S. Senate. It would never pass. So they can't do that but a concession, a deal that the Biden administration is uh, happily going along with at the World Health Organization, basically saying they, World Health Organization—they're the ones who should decide whether or not we are in the midst of a new pandemic. If we do have a new pandemic, what should happen? How much it should be regulated? Whether mask mandates should be uh, put back in place again? I mean, rules galore. So we've we've had a concession not among the American people and not among patriots, but by people at the high levels of government in Washington on the anti-American left, which is where Biden lives, anti-American left saying, yeah, let's give more authority. Uh, Let's surrender American authority to uh, the World Health Organization. That's the first thing. And the second thing that is just, is now an intertangled mess is that there has begun to be an acceptance among some, certainly anti-American leftists in this country, but really more people just not focusing on what's happening an acceptance that the government has some job in kind of regulating speech as long as all they're trying to do is correct misinformation disinformation all these stupid words they made up malinformation and th- these words were used in justifying really shutting down free speech during the last election cycle when department of homeland security we found out through the twitter files kind of controlling what people can say on twitter because you know they might be getting bad information out there can't have that so we've had an unspoken concession that the federal government or other government entities can just they have a role in deciding what's true and deciding what's misinformation malinformation disinformation and then they have a role in regulating that and This would have been, I mean, in fact, before the book 1984 came along, George Orwell's fantastic book called 1984 came along, you know, this concept that the government's going to define truth in a free society rooted in the First Amendment and freedom of speech, we'd say, you have to be on drugs. We're not doing that. We're not giving the government the the, uh, ability, the right to decide what is misinformation, et cetera. And the reason we don't do that is it is always in the best interest of those who are in power, those who want to control more of your life, to take away more of your freedom, it's always in their best interest to take charge of the language, to manipulate the language, so that they're saying, we're not regulating speech, we're just calling for an end or protection against malinformation. So combine those two things, Surrendering sovereignty to the World Health Organization, compounded with this ludicrous idea that in, in America, a highly educated society, that we have to decide, that we have to just capitulate when the government says, you know, well, we'll, we'll kind of let you know what you're allowed to really think and say, what you can't think and say, and so there we are. You know, we have this incredible, incredible uh, uh, c- confluence leading us to where the World Health Organization is. My first topic, my first five day. World Health Organization declares an infodemic. Infodemic. Better write that word down. It's going to become like a new word. An infodemic. And they're announcing, because there is, and they're saying, a pandemic of false information. This is the World Health Organization, again, controlled by, controlled by Bill Gates and the CCP, and the World Health Organization wants to announce an infodemic, a pandemic of bad information, information that they don't really want you thinking about and talking about. And it's certainly not just to understand. So this is bad enough that they think they can declare an info. They have declared an infodemic, but they also are announcing a misinformation surveillance program. You know, I mean, if there were a a truly deadly disease, you know, World Health Organization, other entities would say, hey, you know, we're going to kind of surveil and keep track of, you know, how this disease is being spread. If it's really a problem with being spread by mosquitoes, who would be able to spray for mosquitoes more, whatever, you know, they would try to track an actual spreading of disease. But they are commandeering a role in this world, the World Health Organization, commandeering a role of defining a pandemic to mean include bad information or information they don't want you to believe. They don't want you to think about or believe or read, even coming from doctors and educated people who understand health, health you know, human health care and all that. So they can declare an infodemic and announce you're gonna to have to engage in surveillance against these evil people um, who are going to otherwise spread uh, this, this bad information. So a surveillance program, they were they were uh, very Uh, heavily involved, World Health Organization, heavily involved in instituting vaccine passports across the European Union. Now, I gotta tell you, the European Union has had a lot of pushback about that. They're not being enforced in Europe, Europe right now. But the idea for a long time was World Health Organization is telling us, you know, formerly, allegedly sovereign countries that we're going to uh, you know, have to really, really crack down on, um, on people spreading information that's bad and we're gonna have uh, vaccine passports. The idea is social control over people and organizations because they've declared war as a out- war on the uh, infodemic, and they're pointing out people have vast sources of information. They're lamenting and complaining that human beings on planet Earth, especially in. You know, Western educated countries have access to many sources of information, and lo and behold, uh, they might read different information, um, and they're lamenting health institutions aren't the only ones providing information. Uh, you know, And so this actually has created a new health threat. So when you think about my very fine friends, all the doctors in America uh, who supported, for example, the frontline doctors, uh, they supported other efforts to try to bring healthcare truth to the American people to circumvent the FDA, NIH, CDC, which were engaged in a barrage of propaganda against the American people, controlling the American people, trying to get them to steer, you know, steer the, the barrage, how the government was to steer you into only thing you can do is vaccines, nothing else works, don't rely on all these thousands and thousands of doctors who are saying that they've had thousands and thousands of cases and they found ivermectin and whatever hydroxychloroquine other things as effective don't believe them believe us and so this is now and i'm raising this alarm bell to say that part of what the leftists in this country trying to give American sovereignty away at the World Health Organization have been arguing is that the World Health Organization is kind of the the pinnacle of the expertise on on topics. I mean, if they aren't the pinnacle of experts, I don't know who the hell is. That is their argument. But let me just point out again, World Health Organization, monetarily and policy-wise, controlled by the CCP, Chinese Communist Party, and Bill Gates neither of whom I'm aware has any medical education. On top of that, the World Health Organization is trying to consolidate power for all countries in the world so that the control of response to pandemics will come from Bill Gates and the CCP controlling what the World Health Organization does. And in case you didn't get the memo, the CCP has declared war on America. They actually don't want the American citizens to be healthy and strong. That is exactly the opposite of what they want. This is a brewing catastrophe because America has not yet found the strength in our federal government to stand up against the Biden cabal running this country and saying, we're not going to comply with anything the World Health Organization says on the subject of pandemics, health, or anything else, because we in America, after all, are sovereign. I'll follow this story for you, but it's very, very important. And that, my very fine friends, is today's first five. Okay. So I have two stories. I found them both rather amazing. Well, I, I called this the LGBTQ military emergency. So my good friend, Sam Faddis, who is brilliant. Uh, Sam Faddis is a um, former CIA operative, uh, you know, worked many, many years in clandestine ways. Uh, very, very savvy guy. He and his wife write they used to have AND, like A-N-D, AND Magazine. Now they have the AND Substack. He writes brilliantly about American foreign policy, about the American military, about the CIA and the FBI, and on uh, uh, many, many issues. I and mean, he's just a great researcher, great writer. He spoke at our, yeah, he spoke at the most recent third annual Women for Freedom Summit uh, last fall. He was stellar. So one of those new columns, I just, I'm talking about it today because I I called it LGBTQ military emergency. I found these two things just simply breathtaking. So there is a Lieutenant General, which I'm going to guess that means like a pretty highly placed person, a Lieutenant General, uh, a woman, I guess it's a woman named Deanna Burt, B-U-R-T. This woman, Deanna Burt, Lieutenant General Deanna Burt spoke at a Pride event at the Pentagon a couple of days ago. So she's speaking at this Pride event. So first of all, the idea, this is you know Pride month, allegedly, June, which I did not honor, Pride month, but you know it's Pride and LGBTQ, et cetera, agenda came and sailed, letters that there are. But they had a Pride event, which I would argue has no place at the Pentagon. But in any case, they had a Pride event and she spoke at it, and she was lamenting and basically complaining about the idea. Here's her quote. Since January of this year, more than 400 anti-LGBTQ laws have been introduced at the state level. That number is rising and demonstrates a trend that could be dangerous for service members, their family, and the readiness of the force as a whole. She is arguing, my very fine friends, that America's military is somehow harmed because states are passing or even proposing laws that try to get the transgender mob to leave children alone. This is what these laws are about. They're not about what you do as an adult. They're not about how adults conduct their lives. They're about trying to get the transgender grooming mob to leave children alone. That's what they're about. And this is a Lieutenant General. She's achieved that level, heaven knows how, and in the Pentagon gave a speech on Pride Day lamenting how this actually harms the readiness of the American military. I mean, first of all, it's preposterous, preposterous, that, I mean, her her, her premise is is so completely lacks merit, lacks logic, that it's absurd, and you might question her intelligence, what the heck she's talking about. But the deeper point I wanna make about it is this, the LGBTQ plus blah, blah, blah agenda has come so far in this country that you, and, and so has become so the norm of what you're supposed to think and say that this Lieutenant General apparently was unconcerned that she would be saying something crazy by speaking at the Pentagon at a Pride event and saying laws in this country that are trying to protect children from the LGBTQ transgender mob are going to hurt the military. This did not occur to her as a lunatic thing to say, apparently, because she said it. So, my friend Sam Fattis is writing about, you know, he's talking about, and he makes a good point, like a military perspective point, that she's not, it's not her, not only not her job, she's not permitted in her role to engage in political advocacy. She's not supposed to take sides on whether or not some of these laws that she ap- apparently thinks are just disastrous, you know, are bad or good for the military. She's not supposed to be weighing in the, on the political issue of uh, passing "please protect the children from the LGBTQ lunatics" kind of laws. So she's not supposed to do that. She and, and on top of that, she's calling out democratically elected people in the state legislatures around this country who are responding to their constituents and saying, we really, really don't, you know, we, we want the LGBTQ grooming mob to leave our children alone. That is the gist of most of these laws. Stop grooming our children, starting kindergarten, stop trying to convince them they probably really are the other gender than they really are because they might have thought about the other one day whether well, they want to change genders. So he's pointing out, you know, there is actually a 2020 Department of Defense public affairs guidance for political campaigns and elections, and basically summarizing the rules that said, say, you know, you're not supposed to do this. Longstanding, well-defined policy regarding political campaigns and elections to avoid the perception of DOD sponsorship, approval or endorsement of any political candidate campaign or cause. So she's not supposed to do this, but I wanna make the deeper point. The reason this is so troubling that this woman did this is because the LGBTQ attack on American sanity has gone so far that it does not occur to her. Apparently she's got to be aware. I mean, look at the rank she's in. She's got to be aware of DOD policy. It didn't occur to her. That was a political thing to say. It probably never occurred to her. I mean, to her, the worldview she is marinating in in Washington, DC is one in which the LGBTQ advocacy is just the only way you're allowed to think about this, that every push toward LGBTQ you know activism is just a beautiful thing. This is the world she lives in. So this didn't occur to her as a political. This is kind of like saying, you know, making a comment about the sun's going to rise tomorrow because you know the sun comes up in the morning. It is she, to her, and people like her. This is so factual that LGBTQ... Okay, so I'm learning, I'll just... <laughs> learning we have had a little trouble with the audio. I do not know what the problem is. And um, we are trying to... Um, yeah, I can see now I'm getting a bunch of text messages. No sound, no sound, no sound. Okay, I don't know what to do about that. I'm just gonna keep talking and hopefully our little team here will fix this problem. In um, any way, in any case, the idea this woman at the, at the Pentagon thinks that this is the normal way to act, that you would get up on, on at a Pride event and announce how you are going to be, um, you know, you're just appalled because states are trying to protect children. The only reason she even got to that lunacy is because she thinks this is the norm. This is what you're supposed to think. On a similar note, um, and coming out of the Biden administration was another piece, and this was coming. can we even play clips? We can't play clips, we can't play clips. Okay. So I can
2: play the clip and the audio will still come through. <laughs> and
0: When,
2: when I'm listening. we're done with um, the recording and I repost it, there's still going to be audio. So I can play the clip.
0: Okay, so I guess we're really having sound troubles here, but I sent a clip I wanted to have you here today. Um, so, um, which was? Um, this is relating to, again, the Biden administration, which has, as you likely know, um, has a person, an individual, Assistant Secretary for Health, who uses the name Rachel Levine, although it is a guy, is a physical male. You took one look at the face, it's a physical male, dresses up like a girl every day because he's not mentally well and is trying to claim he's a she. And so you have Rachel Levine announcing, because we're at the end of Pride Month this month, right now we're ending Pride Month. So what we had instead was, um, we had Rachel Levine announcing, okay, but well, I don't even know what Rachel Levine's real name is, I wish I did, but you know, he, this Assistant Secretary for Health, pretending to be a her, Rachel Levine, decided to announce that we're, we can't just let this end with Pride Month. We're going to have to have, and the term they're using is Summer of Pride. Summer of Pride. So what they're saying is essentially is the whole summer, they're gonna be celebrating and spewing and putting out interviews and, and, and statements that just, just doing everything they can to push the Pride agenda. So if you can, please now, Mr. Amelia, pay that Summer Pride thing.
2: Hello, my name is Admiral Rachel Levine and I have the honor of being the Assistant Secretary for Health at the United States Department of Health and Human Services. Happy Pride. Happy Pride Month. And actually, let's declare it a Summer of Pride. Happy Summer of Pride. It's so important to have Pride as a celebration for our LGBTQI community and to recognize how far we have come, but also how much work we have left to do. So I am so excited to be here with Ryan Casada uh, to talk about pride, about our community. And so, first, let's. Why don't you tell us a little bit about your story, Ryan, and and all the fantastic work that you're doing?
1: Great, thank you, Admiral Levine. Uh, my name is Ryan Casada. I use he/him pronouns, and I like to share my pronouns first before I start any conversation. And. I am a singer-songwriter and a transgender activist. I play a lot of protest songs to help the transgender liberation movement. And I started my activism when I was 13 years old after getting bullied uh, pretty severely in middle school when I first came out. And from there on, I joined the Safe Schools team through the LGBT network on Long Island, where I grew up. And that is where I learned to uh, publicly speak and also learned the education that I needed to be able to go into schools and conferences to carry the message.
2: Well, thank you so much for for being such a a, a a role model and a voice uh, for the, the trans community. We were talking before about your songs and how they give a message of hope and compassion, but also protest. How do you mix all that together?
1: I think it naturally mixes together as a trans person, as a trans man. I know that my body is politicized. My identity is politicized right now, especially with all of the anti-trans legislation and bills that are happening uh, right now in our community and our country. And it just naturally flows because the thing that I am most passionate about is helping the transgender community to freedom.
0: Okay. The reason I wanted to play that, I want to be very careful how I talk about this because that young person, first of all, the person on the left, the very, very large man dressed as a woman is a man who wants to pretend he's a woman for whatever reason. The person on the right is a young woman who wants to be a man. And so she is dressing like a guy and trying to talk like a guy. And you know, I will tell you, I I talked to a a very well-educated, thoughtful young millennial who's on the you know, on the left in this country, recently, who just said, "I don't understand why conservatives keep picking on the transgenders. Why can't they just shut up, leave them alone? How is the transgender movement hurting normal people? How is it hurting anything? Leave it, leave them alone." And I want to address that because I think it's really important to understand this is not a um, this is not a pick on a minority, mean spirited thing. At all to be able to have a conversation in this country about tra- about transgenderism. It is, and what this is a tactic the left uses. Now I'm not saying this young person telling me this. You know, why why do you keep talking about why does anyone who's conservative complain or criticize the transgender movement, transgender rights movement? But what the reason is? I want to run through these because it's really important to understand this. Number one, this explosion of transgender advocacy, transgender identity, that young woman sitting there dressed like a guy, trying to pretend she's a guy, whatever phase of transition she, he, it has gone through, that young person is not a victim of of criticism or or not a victim of the legislation in this country trying to protect children. She's, she, it's a she really, pretending he's a he, is a victim of the failure of our society to recognize this transgender movement for the attack that it is on America. It's an attack on families, on children, on identity. It's an attack. And when you start to have, we talked, um, see, what day was it last week? One day, in fact, last Tuesday, I think it was, Um, When we had uh, Trevor Loudon in studio, he was talking about how, you know, the way the Chinese, as one example, attack a country, they create uh, mindsets of people. They invade a country ideologically. They plant seeds of division. He he told, he, Trevor Loudon told his story about how he was uh, in New Zealand. He came to realize how the communists want to break up the, the treaty between New Zealand and America. The, the Russian communists at that time wanted to break up the t- treaty between New Zealand and America. So they, instead of just advocating anti-Americanism in New Zealand, that wouldn't have worked. Instead, they advocated for New Zealand should be, lead the charge. We're against nuclear weapons. We want to end nuclear weapons. And so what you... <laughs> What New Zealand did, they bought into it. They didn't know there is like mass hypnosis, mass mesmerism of that society. They had people rising up and speaking and and just outraged over, we wanna be, we're the victors, we're speaking up, we're fixing things. And the fact was, the fact was, there was no organic movement within New Zealand. It was orchestrated, manipulated, psychological manipulation of the entire society, like a mass hypnosis. That's what Russian communists did in New Zealand back, you know, whatever that was, the seventies or early eighties. This is what this entire transgender movement is in this country today. We did not organically suddenly have a biological development that caused an explosion of transgenderism. It is a mental contagion. It is a mental introduction of this idea into society and, and an introduction into, you know, of the lunatic and false idea that your gender consists of whatever you think your gender is, whatever you identify your gender to be, that if you think your gender is that if you're a woman, but you think you're a man, it's not just, I want to transition from a woman to a man, but you can say as a woman, I am a man. This is psychological lunacy. This was introduced intentionally by very disruptive forces in this country, not just in this country. As Trevor Loudon was pointing out, this is a a constant pushing away and, 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 and tinkering away at the destruction of America's culture and America's families, the right and role of parents, and most importantly, the right and role of faith. The vast majority of Americans, or at least a significant plurality, derive their sense of identity in in life from the idea of of what they, they learn from their faith. What they learn from God that we have God-given identity. You're born as a female or a male, and that's what you are. And so you you can be a tomboy as a girl or a more effeminate as a guy. You can have all sorts of things that are kind of out of whack or outside. I shouldn't say out of whack. Outside the norm. But mostly in society, you let girls be tomboys. You let boys who didn't want to play sports let them take art classes. Whatever it is you did, but you didn't say because you have certain interests or certain personality characteristics, you are misgendered. You are stuck in the wrong body. You were born in the wrong body. And what? And the, so I'm trying. I'm going through this because I want to explain, kind of answer this young person who raised this to me and to others. The reason conservatives get so are so concerned about it is because they're actually the savvy ones recognizing how, how this society is being manipulated and contorted into believing a lie about itself, about about who we are, about what our identity is. So it is destroying families because you have now courts weighing in and legislatures weighing in, taking the side of a child who's claiming I am transgendered over the side so you're taking these the courts and judges and and schools taking the side of the child and basically saying your parents have no role in helping you grow into who you are your parents have no role in explaining to you your god-given identity god has no place in your identity God has no place in our society and your parents silly old ideas about your God given identity. That's just old school uh, fantasy. And so we the enlightened are going to help you kids along, help you out of the body that you came in and and push aside your parents, your faith, the Christian faith. And, and what has resulted in this country is not one or two isolated cases. It's cases happening all over the country is that children, children end up being swayed by this mass psychosis that has infected our society far worse than COVID ever did. Wherever they're taking drugs and um, you know, hormones of various kinds to help you move into the other gender that you're really not. And we have now more and more stories emerging of young people getting to their early 20s, mid 20s, saying, you know, I-, I have destroyed my body. I didn't, I, don't, I, I want to take it back. I want to go back to being what I am. I was always a girl or I was always a boy. Why didn't someone help me? Why didn't society help me? And this is why the actual adults in this room, meaning the adults in America are speaking so strongly about transgenderism. It's not because you want to pick on people and it's not to be mean to people who are struggling. Everyone believes in helping people who are struggling. Everyone believes in helping people who are struggling but helping them. What the leftists, the anti-God crowd is saying is, there's no God, there's no search for identity, you think you're the opposite of what your body is, you know, have at it, we'll help you, and we'll shut out your parents, and shut out your faith, and shut out God, and shut out the Christian faith, and we're gonna make you into whatever you wanna be, and it's the actual adults in the room the actual responsible adults in America who are saying this is a mass psychosis, this is grotesque, this is unkind, and at very at, at very bottom, it's cruel to the children. It's claiming to help. It's cruel to the children it's claiming to help. So uh, this is the the whole Biden administration thing pushing this summer of pride. I mean, you know, and Biden has all sorts of statements out about trans children. We love you. You're loved in our America. Blah 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 blah. I don't think Joe Biden has a coherent thought in any subject anymore. He doesn't have any coherent thoughts. And everyone knows he doesn't have any coherent thoughts. But he, Joe Biden, is participating in this. His administration's participating in this. His administration is celebrating this. And I wish I'd gotten a little picture of, I didn't, but I wish I had a little picture of, uh, I mentioned, uh, I guess I haven't mentioned it yet, but there was a, a parade in New York City that had I mean, it was a just a parade of very deeply confused people. A parade of humanity that had just a. uh, I mean, it was an LGBTQ plus pride parade. So you had you know people dressed up. You had men in matching pink dresses, and I mean, people in the bizarrest outfits, bizarrest look to themselves. uh, You know, trying to show off their genitalia, show off their physical features. Uh, I mean, trying to show their breasts. I mean, they were just, they they were a freak show. It was just a freak show parade. And I, I hesitate even using that word freak show parade because I actually do feel for these people. I mean, you have to be somewhere way outside of normal sanity to think this is who you are and what you want to be and how you wish to present yourself. But there they were. They chanted in this parade in New York City over the weekend, this LGBTQ plus pride uh, parade, they were chanting, we're here, we're queer, and we're coming for your children. They chanted it over and over and over. So to answer my young friend, the millennial who was asking why, why do you guys get so you know, bent out of shape about this? It's because it's a movement attacking innocent children and innocent families around this country. It is a movement attacking innocent children and innocent families. That's what's happening. And and because whether the families involved or the children involved have any idea that they're being manipulated, I don't know. They have any idea what's happening to them or they actually think this just organically true. The fact is, this is not happening organically. There are plenty of doctors pointing this out, plenty of doctors pointing out there's something very, very wrong with the society's just hysterical embrace of literally an epidemic of transgenderism. Is not real, and actually, anyone just sitting back, whether you have medical training or not, you sit back and look at a situation where we had whatever it was, one in a million, you know, whatever the numbers really were. Basically, percent, you know, statistically speaking, zero people presenting as transgender, and now it is little is an epidemic in this country. It's not an epidemic biologically or an an epidemic, um, you know, organically it is a manipulated and horrific um, attack on America and the young people finally figuring out, I didn't really want transgender and I really didn't like, I I really want to go back and I wish someone had helped me, someone explained to me, um, it it would have been a, a much better thing. So the answer really is because we love children. The answer to why, to speak up and oppose transgenderism and support Uh, states around the country that are preventing the LGBTQ groomers from getting into lower school, getting to schools at all and pushing kids to think they're somehow transgender and to entertain them with drag shows and sexuality when they're six years old. Yeah. It's because we love children and love families, love children's innocence, love America. And we're not going to sit by and watch this LGBTQ thing go on and on and on and on uh, without speaking up. That's why. Okay, there's a a story we'll have to do much more. First, I have no idea what's going on with our show today. But anyway, I'm going to tell you two more topics very quickly here. One I call Biden bribery and the tell-all text. And I know many of you probably heard this story, but I'm just going to briefly tell you what has occurred. You may recall when uh, joe biden was running for president that and and all of this um you know stuff involving his son involving hunter biden involving what was in hunter biden's laptop involving what was in um what was you know being explored about Hunter biden getting all paid astronomical sums, sums of money out of burisma out of the ukraine out of the ccp and joe biden repeatedly and regularly said I don't have any idea what my son's business is. I have no business meetings with them. I have no connections. I don't know anything about it. And now we have this whistleblower coming forward and now, and and the extremely important work being done by representative Comer's committee in the U S house saying essentially they now have emails showing that the Biden family family, I mean, into various Biden family accounts has somewhere between 30 and $50 million coming to them from the CCP. So the Comer, you know, team is saying there's a lot of money flowing to the Bidens. You're not really sure why. How to explain it? I want to tell you two things um, that have come up since then. Uh, I, I mentioned the text. I'll get to it in just one moment. But you remember when the Hunter Biden laptop came along, and this was hugely consequential in the American election in 2020. You know, people were people who maybe wanna vote Democrat, but they're very, very leery because there's always been a smarminess, a sliminess around Joe Biden, and even more so around Hunter Biden. And everybody knows it. The Biden was just a you know, well-known sliminess. But in any case, the Hunter Biden laptop left at the repair shop because Hunter Biden was, whatever he was, drunk, drugged out, probably both. The laptop made its way to the FBI. The FBI had it, and the FBI uh, never, let the public know about it. In fact, they actively attempted to stop the American public from knowing anything about the laptop. In fact, they they had, uh, the um, DHS was working with the Twitter people trying to say, you know, don't publish any of this stuff about Hunter Biden laptop is not true. Uh, you had the 51 alleged national security experts sign on to saying, sounds like this whole Hunter Biden laptop story is a Russian disinformation campaign. So at a, the peak of time, the American people people would, Want to have known whether or not the Hunter Biden laptop was as you know illustrated and demonstrated and, and proved the complicity, the j- just horrific corruption of the Biden family? You had the entire FBI working very hard to make sure the American people didn't hear about it, and there were actually plenty of people in um, Washington. Um, who were supporting what the FBI said, well, the FBI says nothing. Everybody let it go. And there were people polled later after the election, when it became known to everyone that the Hunter Biden laptop was not Russian disinformation, it was his, that there was a significant chunk of voters who said, in fact, it was game changing, even if he believed the false data about the 2020 election, game changing, uh, people said they wouldn't have voted for Biden. Had they known the Biden laptop contents were real. So talk about stealing an election. I'm leading all this up to say there is now a report out, and, and this was you know, the, the FBI, the 51 intelligent and intel experts who made their disinformation campaign, their disinformation statement. They all went on saying this sounds like Russian disinformation, blah, blah, blah. Turns out prior to that, prior to those 51 intel experts, months before The Intel experts, the media, and Joe Biden himself suggested that the laptop was Russian disinformation. The FBI that had the laptop in its possession the whole time had authenticated the device as belonging to the first son, belonging to Hunter Biden. And prosecutors had expressed confidence its contents had not been manipulated. That information comes from a contemporaneous, meaning done at the time, IRS investigative memo, an October 2020 memo penned by IRS Supervisory Criminal Investigative Agent Gary Shapley Shapley, now the whistleblower, provided a chronology of how the FBI validated the laptop as having belonged to Hunter Biden as early as November of 2019. And I'm saying all this to say, when people talk to you and I talk to you about how dangerous the FBI and DOJ are today, how dangerous they are because they no longer attempt to enforce the law. They no longer attempt the equal application of justice. They are in the business of protecting the anti-American left, of protecting the Biden people from what they don't what the the american people have the right to know but they the fbi understands would harm the biden's in some way the fbi sees their job not to follow the law not to tell the truth not to reveal what they know but to instead protect the biden family by essentially lying to or misleading the american people The entire FBI, they're saying, knew as as early as November 2019, and by spring of 2020, was exploiting and analyzing the contents of the laptop, the emails, text messages, and photos. And I say all that to say, that's the backdrop of where we are today. The FBI and DOJ knew all along. Now, this Hunter Biden... um, you know, text messages now getting such enormous, enormous attention, again, from this this whistleblower, this Gary Shapley uh, idea. Um, Gary Shapley person, the, the whistleblower, has been talking about how there was a Hunter Biden uh, text message in which Hunter Biden, according to the IRS whistleblower, Gary Shapley, and he's given this to Congress, This is what Hunter Biden texted to Chinese businessman Henry Zhao, Z-H-A-O Zhao. Hunter Biden, um, and this was released publicly by the Ways and Means Committee on Thursday of last week. A WhatsApp message by Hunter Biden to Chinese businessman Henry Zhao. I am sitting here with my father and we would like to understand why the commitment made has not been fulfilled. I am very concerned that the chairman This would be the CCP chairman. The chairman has either changed his mind and broken our deal without telling me or that he is unaware of the promises and assurances that have been made that have not been kept. Hunter Biden goes on to signal his ability to leverage the man sitting next to me and every person he knows. He's saying, I'm sitting here with my dad, Joe Biden. I'm sitting here with my dad and he says... "Um, the man sitting next to me and every person he knows to forever hold a grudge that you will regret if you, Zhao, do not comply with our demands. Tell the director I would like to resolve this now before it gets out of hand, and now means tonight. This ominous text message says, and, comma, Z, comma, if I get a call or text from anyone involved in this other than you, Zhang, or the chairman, I will make certain that between the man sitting next to me and every person he knows and my ability to forever hold a grudge that you will regret not following my direction. All too often people mistake kindness for weakness and all too often I'm standing over top of them saying, I warned you. The threat continued before noting the time concluding his presumably the director's night is running out. Oh, actually, Zhao confirms he called the younger Biden and Hunter reiterated, I'm sitting here waiting for the call with my father. I'm sure hope whatever it is you're doing is very, very, very important. So I'm laying out all this to say, at this point, the Republican majority in the House, slim as it is, understands this is how Hunter Biden and Joe Biden conducted business with threats and Joe Biden fully aware of what Hunter Biden was doing. Fully aware now of the millions flowing to the Biden family. I just want to ask you, why is it only two very, very young members of Congress are the only ones even talking about impeachment, talking about removing Joe Biden from the White House because he's taking bribes and is corrupt to the core? Why is it? It's those two young women who are just, you know, I mean... you think about what Trump got impeached over, which was nothing. I mean, literally doing nothing wrong, got impeached twice. And the viciousness, the maliciousness of the anti-American left Democrat party, they find something that Trump has done and they seize on it. And you have this screaming, this is like finding a murder weapon with his fingerprints on it. And we and the House majority can't seem to figure out if it's worth. Uh, you think we should uh, press charges? Well, I don't know. You know, what do you think? It is the most outrageous thing. I'm going to go into more of that in another show. But I, I think the um, this whistleblower is heroic. I think the failure of the um, of the House Republicans to step forward with very, 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 very serious, uh, you know least threats if not actual following through removing this president is it just i mean you, you can get down to thinking it's either you know they're complicit they're afraid to speak up because they're complicit too complicity could be part of it they could be afraid. They just don't want the blowback. They think it's safer to sit there and, you know, occasionally send out a mean tweet and complain about Biden, Biden's bribery, but not take care of it. But this is at a time, this is at a time when the Chinese have, ne- we now are uncovering, not only have military installations in Cuba, but are negotiating about joint military exercises. China and Cuba, like right next door to Florida, China being the country with which Joe Joe Biden appears to be a controlled asset of that country, and you don't get the Republicans, the majority in the House, it should be every member, House and Senate, both parties saying we can't have a president who can't deal with our number one enemy, China, sitting in office as the threats from China grow daily, as now this next door to Florida threat in Cuba has become public as negotiations are ongoing, with the uh, between the Chinese and the Cubans for joint military exercises, and Joe Biden is off, you know, at another beach weekend or something. I mean, these aren't just nitpicky. You know, he they impeach our guy, so we ought to impeach their guy. These are country protecting or country destroying issues. These are country changing issues, and yet you have the Biden team just paralyzed or worse, compromised, and then the, the Republican majority in the House, and frankly, people, I would love, even in the Senate, every single Republican, go on record as a member of the Senate. Do you think he's, do we know enough now to remove this guy? What more will it take? What more do they have to discover about the Biden family to understand this man cannot be in the White House? I mean, we're, we'll follow the story closely and uh, there's so no much more to say in it, but I'm getting a headache thinking about it. Okay. So uh, one last quick thing, you know, people ask me all the time, especially my friends who are on the conservative side, but some forever reason um, don't support Donald Trump. They ask why, you know, why are people, why, why does Trump have such an unshakable base within the GOP voting ranks? And I'm going to just tell you three quick reasons. I mean, Trump is out there, first of all, Mr. You know, High Energy Beyond Belief. He gives magnificent one-hour-long speeches, and he does an event in the afternoon, and he jets off someplace else, and a one-hour speech in the evening. He has more energy than most of the members, all of the members of the House and Senate. More energy, more passion, more fighting for America. So three quick things as examples of why keep, people keep so strongly supporting Trump. Trump finally said, I think this was at, oh yeah, okay, this, he spoke at one of those Reagan day dinners. It was the Oakland County Republicans in Michigan, Oakland County Republicans in Michigan, Trump giving a speech in which he said, quote, he's talking about how he worked on the trade deals to get steel, S-T-E-E-L, steel coming back into America. He says, if you don't have a country like borders, like elections, you got to have real elections. He ends up, you know how he kind of runs topics together. We don't really have real elections. We have fake elections. He's talking about the need for paper ballots. He says we have to have paper ballots only, which I've said so many times in the show, I feel like I should do a five-minute segment on every single show. We have to have paper ballots. We have to have paper ballots only, period. So Trump finally said it. He's the only one saying it. You can't get any other member, any other person running for president to say it. The Democrats won't say it because they love the cheating that made available by machines. The Democrats who won't support voter ID claim every effort to clean up voter rolls is somehow intimidation. So Trump, number one, he said, we got to paper ballots. He also had two other things he said recently. I believe that Emilio has them. Uh, one is what Trump's statement on Cuba. I mentioned Cuba's now, we're, we're disco- discovering Chinese military bases in Cuba. If you can quick play that one.
3: It's incredible that this can be allowed to happen. So unless I get back in, in which case... I will inform China that they have 48 hours to get any military and spy equipment out of Cuba. Or I will drop the hammer and there will be tariffs unlike anything that China's ever seen before. And you know, I took in hundreds of billions of dollars of taxes and tariffs from China. No other president has taken in 10 cents, not 10 cents.
0: Okay, so he's basically saying, you know, Biden doesn't, Biden won't say anything about the Cuban, uh, the presence of China military on Cuba next door to Florida. I mean, or he may say something and do no, he won't do anything. And Trump's saying, yeah, I'm giving 48 hours. And he's saying, you know, and he doesn't say we're going to start World War III. He's saying, we're gonna do, you won't believe the tariffs, they, they, they'll be strangled by them. He's using the, the most powerful thing we have against China. God bless him. Other thing Trump had to say, uh, this was Trump on the um, cartels and what he would do. Can you play it? Yeah.
3: I will invoke the Alien Enemies Act, something people who didn't even know we had to remove all known or suspected gang members, drug dealers, or cartel members. From the United States ending the scourge of illegal alien gang violence once and for all. We were very tough on MS-13. The gang members, we were very... They don't like me at all. They don't like me too much. We will destroy the cartels, including by deploying U.S. Navy to impose a full naval embargo to close the waters of our region because the land will be closed up. And to all smugglers and traffickers... And you know, they traffic mostly in women, just in case... You didn't know that it's mostly women, not children, not men. It's mostly in women. It's a horrible thing.
0: Okay. So that's the three quick things. When Trump has the capacity, when he's speaking, he's more energetic than all the rest of Canada's put together. And he's hitting on recent topics, paper ballots. We can't have stolen elections anymore. He's just hitting on, got to be done with it. We're going to, we're not going to have china military bases in cuba i mean the concept that we're even you know we in fact uh one of my a commentator i know wrote this piece about you know calling for jfk to come back because you know jfk at least called out uh military bases in cuba uh, and then an illegal aliens i mean we have this southern border totally unprotected Criminals, cartels, sex traffickers, fentanyl, dangerous Chinese nationals of military age, men of military age, pouring in our border, and all of these other, I don't even know what the other candidates are talking about, but you never hear a dang thing about what matters. They they can spew and sputter about some great idea they had, fine, you wanna hear from candidates, like Trump is doing, saying, we're gonna fix the things that actually affect America's safety. We're going to fix these things. We're going to fix the border. We're gonna use the Alien Enemies Act to round up the cartels, get them the hell out of the country. He's previously talked about the idea, we're going to get the massive number of illegal aliens in this country out. Just, you have to go home. You have to be here legally. These ideas are so basic. These are so mom, apple pie, July 4th, Main Street, Mainstream America, and you cannot get the other candidates to even talk about them in any meaningful and any powerful way. Before I go to why it matters to you, I want to thank, I wanted the star of the show today. We had a kind of discombobulated star of the show today. Uh, little sound system problem, but in any case, I want to thank Brighton TV. This show is carried by Bridie on TV, B-R-I-G-H-T-E-O-N, Bridie On TV. It is a great, great cause because Bridie on TV puts shows like this and other shows with serious, substantive, thoughtful, really uh, well-informed speakers and, and show hosts who will speak truth about the issues that you'll never hear on mainstream media. You will never hear, even on Fox. You won't hear those places, but when you go to Brighteon TV, they carry this show. I am so grateful for them that they do carry this show, and I want to thank them and encourage you to go to Brighteon.com. Brightion.com, Check out all their shows. Soon we'll also have their products, which I will feature for you. They have a little store they um, have, and I will make those products available to you. Okay, we close the show every day by telling you why the stories we talked about today matter to you. So... We started our happy show today, um, talking about COVID's over, but tyranny marches on. The World Health Organization claims uh, Infodemic promotes aggressive government surveillance for compliance. Still no public reckoning for the unsafe and ineffective vaccines. Data on excess mortality, declining birth rates, and other vaccine injuries will not go away. This data is growing over time and all, it all points to unsafe and ineffective. Humanity is in a pivotal turmoil on the understanding of what health is and how to preserve it. Big Pharma decides, or free men and women decide. America's founding says free men and women decide. Today's Americans must relearn how to exercise healthcare freedom. And on LGBTQ, military emergency of all flaming absurdities. Lieutenant General publicly harangues states enacting laws against child mutilation. Claims as hurts the U.S. military? I mean, spare me. How? Human trans insanity cannot help recruiting or readiness or lethality. Americans must awaken to the magnitude of the effort at legitimizing trans ideology. The purpose is to supersede and replace Judeo Christian moral principles. The purpose is to destroy the U.S. military as a force for defending America. Read Peachy Keenan's Domestic Terrorist, A Practical Guide to Winning the Culture War, a great new book. Though a call primarily to women, her book captures the need to fight back against LGBTQ abuses. And on Biden bribery and tell all text, Hunter's text to Chinese businessmen is beyond a smoking gun. It's prima facie conclusive proof of corruption bribery and treason. It is preeminently worthy of impeachment and removal and prosecution. Every adult knows this. But what will the feckless uniparty politicians do? America's feeling of disconnect with politicians has never been more severe. Latest poll says 74% of Americans believe the country is on the wrong track. Biden should resign or be impeached and removed. Immediately, the American people are so fed up. And on Trump's newest home runs, Trump's signature hour plus speeches getting more and more powerful. Enforce immigration law to keep out Marxist, communists, and socialists. I'll get you that speech we'll talk about that separately. Call in the military to secure the border. Move to all paper ballots, election day voting only. Calling out Biden bribery evidence. Give China a deadline to get out of Cuba. No other candidate is speaking so forcefully about the top issues on Americans' minds. The DOJ corruption is too obvious to ignore. Everyone sees it. Garland has committed impeachable offenses, lying to Congress about control of the Hunter investigation and prosecution. A lying, manifestly corrupt DOJ cannot be sustained. And that, my very fine friends, is America Can We Talk for today. I'm Debbie Georgiades, our show is America Can We Talk. You can find everything about our show at AmericaCanWeTalk.org. Thank you so very much for tuning in to America Can We Talk every Monday through Thursday at 3 p.m. Central Time. I do this show to speak truth about America because America matters. And I will talk to you next time.
2: America, can we talk? truth about America.